Welcome back to the Recalibrate Podcast. I'm JC. And I'm Sasha. Join us each week as we have honest conversations to normalize the human experience and help you feel less alone. Yeah, you, that's right. It's a rough world out there. <laughs> we share different ways to connect with yourself and interview heartbroken guests to expand your belief of what's possible. We're the best friends you didn't know you needed. And we love you just the way you are. Without further ado, let's laugh, cry, ruminate, and explore all of the things that you think about but haven't heard said out loud. Let's get into it. Hello and welcome back. Thanks for being here. We are so happy to have you. We are so excited about today's episode. So many people, I feel like this keeps coming up, are asking about drinking and are interested in becoming like sober curious and are interested in having a more sober lifestyle. And I think for the past two years, Sasha and I have been exploring our own relationships with alcohol. And so many times people have asked me, what do you do if you don't drink or what's it like? And people just have a lot of questions about it because I think drinking is something that has become so normalized that they can't even fathom what what life is like without it. And Sasha and I have had our own relationships change with it over the past couple of years. So this is what we're diving into today. Yeah. I think one thing we want to start with is just we're not demonizing drinking alcohol. It's clearly something that's very much a part of society. We've created a culture around alcohol, around drinking. It's more just sharing our experiences and how we've kind of reevaluated or chosen our own relationship with alcohol that's not based on status quo, but rather based on what feels best in our bodies and our hearts and our minds and our bellies. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Obviously to each their own and we never want to push opinions on anyone. I just think this has been a topic that has coming up a lot. So it's interesting to hear like how people's perspectives have changed, at least for me. I've it's been interesting for me to listen to different people's journeys. So I think that's a good place to start. Let's talk about how our relationship to alcohol has changed over the past couple of years. Yeah. Alcohol has never had a super big place in my life. Growing up, my parents were very casual about it. Like, I think sometimes parents have this tendency to really restrict it from their children and they put this whole stigma on it. And my parents were always very like, they wanted to educate me. So I made my own decisions. Like, they didn't want me to do anything stupid, but they were like, and try it but then be careful like never drink and drive but if you're gonna do it at least be safe about it so I think for me I never had an overemphasis on it some of my friends got to college and they broke loose and mm -hmm. they're free for and went crazy and binge drinking so I think I was never like that but I definitely drank more in college and post-college in college, I felt like I had to take care of other people and would be drinking but everyone else would be drunk and then I never really loved it I drank a lot after COVID and then I just decided like it was not feeling good in my body. It was really fun until it was not fun anymore. <laughs> From that space, I was like, I feel like I'm doing this out of obligation, like social obligation. It just stopped feeling good and I started feeling really shitty and it felt like I was missing out on memories, not remembering the night before. And then I wanted to do it less, but I felt like I couldn't mm -hmm. stop because of social reasons. Yeah, when you said it started feeling not fun anymore, what did, what do you mean by not fun? Yeah, I felt like I would kind of dread going out and I wouldn't want to. And I would feel like, oh, like I have to drink because everyone's drinking and I'm going out and whatever. And I have to drink to be fun. I have to drink to be social. And I wasn't like, oh, let's go out and drink. It just did not become enjoyable for me. And I started to like really see the impacts of it based on how I felt. And I started getting really into health tech and I had the aura ring and the whoop. And it was just so 
evident. Like obviously people know oh, drinking, you know, causes hangovers is not good for you. But then once I had the actual data with the whoop and the aura ring that was showing me like the impacts it was having on my body, it's scary to see. Mm-hmm. You're not just hungover. Like it impacts your recovery, impacts your heart rate and your ability to just process in your body. And it's crazy to see how much it impacts that. Mm-hmm. So I think that once I started seeing that, I was like, okay, I don't think drinking is something I want to partake in as much anymore. We'll yeah. go into the data yeah. too on how it impacts it and more about that as well. Yeah. I remember one night, I literally did not remember the night before and that had never happened to me before. I thought people would say that they blacked out because they were embarrassed. And the first time I did not remember the night before, I was so scared. And I was like, okay, if I'm going out to make memories with my friends and I'm not remembering them, what's the point? Mm -hmm. So then that started to scare me and I kind of just did not drink for a couple of months and integrated my social setting with not drinking. Like I would just go out sober, I would do different things and I started to meet different people and I just felt so much better. I didn't miss it at all. I didn't miss the way that I felt. I didn't miss waking up and getting anxiety the next morning and wasting all of my weekends, being hungover. When I created space for it, I started to meet so many people that were also not drinking. I started to find actual joy on the weekends instead of doing these things. But that took a lot of bravery to all of a sudden be like, hey, I'm still going out with my friends or maybe I'm not, but I'm no longer drinking, like completely changing the way you show up in these social circles. Yeah. How did you navigate that? Yeah, I think it was really hard. Definitely going out for the first time sober feels so challenging because everyone else is drunk and you have this heightened awareness where you're like, I am the only person that's not drinking and you you can see everything like you see a completely different lens of the situation because you're almost become an observer of it. So I think navigating that was definitely interesting and becomes so much easier over time with repetition. But I also just started to take space from those environments because I realized I felt like I was doing the same thing every single weekend, like Friday, Saturday, over and over and over again, just having the same experience. And I wasn't feeling fulfilled by it at all. So once I started to be like, okay, What are my options for other things that I could even do on a weekend? What can I explore into? What are other ways I can fill my time? Then it made me less inclined to be in those environments in the first place. So I think that kind of softened the blow a little bit, replacing. Yeah. So going out sober and then realizing, wait, what am I doing here? And then that leads to maybe choosing to go out a little bit less. Mm -hmm. You don't have to remove yourself from the spaces, but maybe you start to dial down on alcohol and then you'll start to make choices that then expand your circle outside of that space. Like it's a phased approach. It's not like all of a sudden I don't drink, I don't party, I don't do anything. Yeah. And I think I had a huge shift for a while of I felt not Mm. fun to be around because I stopped drinking and... I would drink here and there and I still drink, you know, here and there if I am really in the mood, but it's just not my default anymore. It comes from a very intentional place. But yeah, I felt this self-consciousness of not being fun if I wasn't drinking, because I think we've talked about how society kind of views drinking as fun, views drinking as social. And if you don't drink, are you all of a sudden not fun and not social? So I think expanding my view of friendships, of people that I look up to, of people that I want to surround myself with and realizing sometimes it's just the space that you're in that curates those feelings was something that expanded my view on that. And also something that you said that I loved about the self-worth piece. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah. So going into 
to give background on where I'm coming from, my family has a history of alcohol mm. abuse. That includes my father, my mother, my grandfather, a lot of my family. My mom had alcoholic tendencies when I was in middle school and early high school. She's since sober. My father also had alcoholic tendencies ranging from we would be on father-daughter day and he'd be refilling his flask midday. He does not drink. He hasn't drank in a while. But being cognizant of that with my family, my mom was always worried, like, I don't want you to have the same patterns. And alcohol for me in high school wasn't really a big part because I would always throw up every single time I drank. And so I just didn't really drink until college. But when college hit and all of a sudden I could process alcohol, quote unquote process, then I started drinking a lot. In COVID, that was kind of all my friends did. And we had all turned 21 in the pandemic. So we were then going out to bars. And then I moved to New York City. And holy moly, was that just party city. That's yeah. what you do. You work crazy work week and then you go party. So I got used to this work hard, play hard lifestyle that I had built. I was supporting myself with stimulants and partying to get through a crazy work week to build up my career. That's the New York way, I think, in a lot of ways. And then I was partying it off on the weekends. And then I went through a pretty traumatic experience, which caused me to reevaluate my social circles, but it didn't cause me to reevaluate my drinking. I used drinking as a coping mechanism during that time because I was dealing with other things. I couldn't really take a hard look at alcohol and how it was impacting me because I was just dealing with a lot of emotions and navigating trauma at the time. When I navigated out of those social circles, I found new circles that perpetuated my drinking habits. It was like a brand new group of people who saw me for me, but the way we spent our time was purely just partying. So I was like, I've made it. I found the group <laughs> that loves me. I found the group I have fun with. I am so home free, trauma, goodbye, like still using alcohol. And at that time, I know I was not healed. I was not processed. Yes, I had found people that were much more supportive, better for my nervous system, but I still wasn't doing things that were supportive. I was getting used to drinking a lot of alcohol. And when I mean a lot, it was like 12 to 15 drinks out a night. Yeah. It was bad. And so I was partying, partying, partying until I quit stimulants. And what started happening was I started blacking out way more. Mm. And I don't know, but perhaps because like stimulants keep you awake, right? And when you take that away, your tolerance to alcohol changes. I had such a reduced tolerance to alcohol. I was blacking out way faster and I was losing my memories completely. The people in my life at the time were like, you turn into a different person. Mm. You start getting mean. You are a shell of yourself, and we just don't know who that is anymore. Wow, that's interesting. And so I was like, holy shit. And so I did a lot of shadow work and processing to figure out who is this showing up in me, what is going on, internal family systems, therapy work to figure out what is this that's coming out of me. And there's a lot of like theories about alcohol. Alcohol is rooted in algul, which means spirits. Basically, you know, regardless of where I netted out in that therapy, I knew I didn't want to show up that way for people I loved. And I really traced it back to the way that my mom was showing up with me when I was in middle school, high school. And her inability to support herself emotionally at the time led to her drinking. And I realized that what I was doing was I was not supporting myself emotionally and I was turning to drinking in the same way. 
And I sat there crying, like, I don't want to be like my mom. I don't want to show up this way. And so I started reevaluating my drinking habits. That didn't look like not drinking. That looked like, okay, tapering off one to two drinks a night. And then all of a sudden I was like, what would my life be like if I didn't drink for a month or two? And so I stopped drinking. And I started choosing environments that were more supportive to that choice because at the time I was like, it's temporary. I'm just taking a break. I'm just coming back to myself. But then I realized I love those environments so much more because I love morning yoga and I love getting a good night's rest. And I have woken up hungover and anxious so, so many times before only to go keep drinking. Like you could see the lights on no one's home look in your eyes or the dead inside look the next day. For the first time in years, I looked at myself in the mirror and I, I, I actually looked alive. <laughs> I was like, wow. So I wouldn't say it came out of necessity because I absolutely could have kept drinking. Like I yeah. wasn't putting myself, I have put myself in harm's way of walking home at night late, pretty drunk in New York, which is never a good idea. But I wasn't being a harm to others. I wasn't being a harm to myself, maybe like a bit of an emotional terror if I got that drunk. But that wasn't every time. That was only when I would black out. And it was only towards the end when I had come off stimulants in December. And this happened in January. Yeah. So it was more that I noticed that I was using it as an emotional crutch Mm -hmm. instead of actually feeling my emotions. And so it was out of necessity, but at the same time as very much a conscious choice to learn how to process my emotions differently. And then I stopped drinking. I started choosing spaces that were more conducive to that. A lot of that friend group fell out of my life which is, you know, which is okay. I see them outside of the drinking space, but it's much rarer. And so much more aligned people have come into my life. And I just don't think that alcohol is for me. I think that I have a propensity or predisposition to alcoholism. And I don't really want to put that in my life. My life has improved so much since I stopped drinking. I still have a drink here and there intentionally. And I think I'm coming to the conscious decision that I don't want it to be a part of my life. But I'm also really playing around with, do I want to box myself into the label of sober and sobriety? Do I want to leave that door open? It's something that's kind of floating around for me right now is if I box myself into the label of sober, does that feel expansive? Does that feel like I'm freeing mental energy away from this decision that could compromise my values? Or does it feel like I'm boxing myself into a new identity that I then have to come out of? Yeah. So I think my journey has been a little rougher waters. But I think that's good because we have different perspectives. So I think it's important that we're coming at it from these two different angles because it encompasses a lot of different people that are listening and a lot of different experience. If I were to just talk about this or you were to just talk about this, we would not cover the whole range of different facets of it because I think it's such a charged topic. Yeah. You don't know when you're using alcohol to cope Mm -hmm. emotionally. I didn't know I was using it that way. I was just having a good time with friends. And then when I look back at it, I'm like, yeah, it was my it was my coping mechanism. Yeah. One thing you talked about that I wanted to touch on was you're not as close with those friends anymore. Mm -hmm. And you found aligned friends. So looking back, you're like, of course, that's a win, you know, because you found these people in your life that fill you up so much. But in that transition period of losing those friends before you mm. found new oh, friends, yeah. what what was that like? Because I think that's an area people are really scared of. Yeah, I was really scared. And one of my mentors at the time 
I asked him about not drinking and this transition to not drinking. And he said, well, if the people in your life are only in your life because you drink, what is that saying about your self-worth? I'll rewind. If the people in your life are only in your life because you are consuming alcohol, what does that say about your friends and what you think about your self-worth and your value in relation to these people? Right? Like you, if I drank alcohol with you and we went out to dinner and drank and then all of a sudden I stopped drinking, would I think that we're not going to be friends anymore? No, because you're not only friends with me because I drink. Right. But if I'm only friends with someone because I drink, that's telling in and of itself. A lot of these fears could be either you're scared to find out that your friendships are not aligned or maybe they are aligned and you're just assigning an inappropriate weight to alcohol's place in your friendship with that person. Yeah. I think about you saying this all the time because I heard you say this a long time ago when I was kind of having some of these fears. It completely shifted my perspective because I was like, yeah, since I've stopped drinking, I've still kept actually a lot of my friends. And I'm like, oh, yeah, they don't just like me because I was drinking, obviously. Mm -hmm. But I was assigning this weight that alcohol had like, oh, my God, they're not going to think I'm fun if I Mm -hmm. stop drinking or if I don't stay out with them until four o'clock in the morning. But of course they do because they just love me for who I am as a person. They don't love me because I go drink with them. Yeah. And I still do hang out with those people in outside spaces. But I think a lot of people, if they are telling you, oh, you're not fun because you don't drink or you're not part of our crew anymore, our friend group, if they assign that kind of weight to alcohol, in some sense, it's a projection of their own inability to detach from it or to assign it a lower value. Because drinking or not drinking alcohol, consuming something should not be the reason that you choose to have someone in your life or not. And if a person in front of me has a problem with what's in my cup, it's often a projection of their own insecurities about what's in theirs. Absolutely. And I think, and that's definitely happened to me before. Mm. It used to frustrate me so much, but I think people don't want to be alone in their decisions. It's that people want to feel safe in the decisions that they're making and they want to feel validated in the decisions that they're making. And even though I'm standing there sober, I said nothing. I'm not saying anything about why other people shouldn't drink. I'm not commenting on it at all. I haven't brought it up at all. If someone feels like they need to make that comment or judgment towards you, it's because they're feeling some insecurity about their own decision Mm because they want to validate, okay, I'm making this decision for myself. Why isn't this other person? Absolutely. Groupthink. And it's funny because you don't say anything. You're the sober one. You know you're already the odd man out. You stand so strong in that truth. And then somebody's getting upset at you. I'm like, why are you getting upset at you? I'm the odd man out. Don't like project on me right now. It's crazy. And the other thing that you said that I want to touch on was this box of being sober or still drinking. And I've kind of dabbled with it too. And we've talked about it's hard because in one regard, sometimes it's easier to just say, oh, I'm sober. I don't drink because then you're not questioning every single time you go out. Am I going to drink today? Am I not going to drink? Is someone going to ask me if I drink? What do I say? All of these questions that just kind of loop in your head. You can just be like, nope, I'm sober. That's it. But do we want to put that label and do we need a label? Because it's that idea of does this give you freedom or does it take away your freedom? Yeah. Is it freedom from or freedom to? Mm. Are you choosing to be sober? Because it's freedom from making this decision or it's freedom to live a happier, healthier life that's more aligned with your values. So is it coming from a place of fear or is it coming from a place of expansion? And I don't have an answer for you because I'm toying around with it. The perspective that I heard was that it doesn't have to be this grand, big, I'm sober decision. It could just be every day deciding that you don't want to drink. 
for me, what's coming up is that drinking feels today a violation of my boundaries mm. as they stand with myself okay. because it does not make me show up as the best version of myself. I have anxiety the next day. I'm really doing injustice to my body, my sleep. I just think it's kind of crazy that we've created a society and a culture in which we all drink poison for fun. Like, oh, yeah, and, and I do it too, right? You know, right now it feels like a violation of my boundaries to drink. So why am I constantly putting myself in that position to be at risk of violating my boundaries? Yeah. That decision over and over and over again. And my nervous system is probably like, do I drink? Do I not? And if I know it violates my boundaries, why am I going to do that? I was talking to my therapist and I was like, alcohol violates my boundaries I don't want it to be a part of my life anymore and she was like what'd you just say and I was like hmm, I don't know <laughs> what did I say yeah. it's almost like I'm getting there and I'm still scared to acknowledge it even though right now I don't drink yeah. I consciously do not choose to drink and I'm still scared to acknowledge that or like say that that is a choice I picture having more weight in a longer term why do you think you're scared Dude, I don't know. I think it's because of that label. It's the box. And here's the thing. I actually have thought about this. Dude. <laughs> alcohol, it's not alcohol itself, right? Because alcohol doesn't align with my values. It's what it symbolizes to me. It symbolizes the freedom to choose. It symbolizes the freedom to choose whether or not I want to drink and the freedom to have agency in this choice, not to be boxed into sobriety. But in choosing sobriety, it's an illusion that I'm ever giving up choice. Mm -hmm. I will always be always able to have, have a choice. choice even if i'm sober i can go drink the next day yeah. no one's stopping me right and then i could say i'm sober the day after i was assigning drinking or having the choice to drink alcohol with freedom and agency when in reality that can never be taken away that's what i'm coming to i'm still integrating yeah. the fact that this is a decision i'm coming to it's a scary one because it's a lot easier to say like oh i just have a drink here and there it's a lot harder to be like, no, I really think alcohol doesn't have too much of a place in my life. Mm -hmm. And that's what I'm kind of sitting with and then trying to sort through right now. Yeah. One quote that I heard that sticks with me is someone said, I spend my weekends building the life I love, not running from the life I have. Ooh. Yeah. I don't want to spend my weekends just running away from the life that I am currently living. I want to spend that time filling my cup, doing the things that I love. For me, drinking just started to be such a time suck and it just made me feel like shit. There's so many things that I love to do. Like I have a lot of hobbies. I have a lot of activities that I want to be doing. And when I was drinking, it just took away from that. I felt so drained because not only was I exhausted and it impacted my body in a huge way, I also would not be sleeping. I would not have any energy. I'd be waking up late, wasting the weekend. And then all of a sudden, it's like Sunday night. I'm like, what did I do? I didn't get to do all the things that I love. So evaluating, is there a place for that? And like, how did I feel? Checking in with myself of oh, the weekends that I did go out and drink all weekend versus the weekends where I chose to get up, go to yoga, go to the farmer's market, spend time outside, have actual genuine connection with people. How did I feel? And all of the time when I'm having this genuine connection with people, it felt so much better. And I think sometimes drinking gives you this false sense of connection. Mm -hmm. You're all in this place doing this thing, but it's not a genuine sense of connection. Yeah, it's like proximity versus connection. And how many people are at, at the bathroom in the bar that you've gotten phone numbers from? <laughs> have you actually texted and seen after the fact versus how many people that you maybe 
were having a picnic with and they were reading a book that you like or took a yoga class with that you really resonated with. Like how many of those people have you maybe connected with on the side? And I think that evaluating whether drinking for you is a conscious choice or just something you're used to doing. Yeah. Because if I think about it in the United States, at least drinking at 21 in my hometown, what I saw was that it created this forbidden fruit mentality of if you get it while you're in high school or before 21 in college, if you get it, drink as much as you can because you don't know when you're going to get it again. Like you're getting this thing. Yeah. And I think in Europe, likely in a lot of places, there's a little bit better relationship with it because it's not that forbidden thing it's much more normalized if here have a glass if you'd like it kind of like with your parents like if you want it do it just be safe with it yeah versus in my town all these kids were hiding it drinking as much as they could throwing up I very much just look at that and I think we create this unconscious relationship with alcohol that's once you get it have as much as you can have a good time and then all over again and I think in part it's because of the way that it's socialized in partnership with the laws we have in place. Yeah, I definitely think that because I see how my relationship to alcohol is versus people I grew up with and so many people's parents that had that forbidden mentality. They were just absolute binge drinkers, could not have any moderation with it. And for me, like I've always felt very relaxed around alcohol. Like I'm like, it's just there. I don't need to drink it all right now. It's crazy to see people continuously choose it and perpetuate their anxiety. Like I think the fallacy is, oh, I'm so stressed. Let me have a drink. And you have a little bit of a drink. And yes, in that moment, you feel less stressed. But here's where some of the science comes in. So we listened to Andrew Huberman's two-hour alcohol (laughs) podcast, so you don't have to. And essentially, the long-term impacts of drinking alcohol on hormone and neural circuitry, and this isn't like binge drinking. This is literally just habitual drinking, are increased stress when you are not drinking, diminished mood and well-being when you're not drinking, and changes in your neural circuitry that make you want to drink more and more and more to get back to the baseline that you get from that first drink. It overall reduces your resiliency to stress and lowers your mood. How this happens is that One of the less talked about side effects of drinking alcohol, because it's less immediate, is that more stress hormone cortisol is released from your adrenal glands at the baseline when you are not drinking, when you're a habitual or chronic drinker. That means that you get more stress and anxiety when you are not drinking because of drinking. So even if that first sip gives you that, ah, you're actually going to be at a higher baseline level of stress every time you are not drinking and you'll need to drink more and more to relieve that stress and anxiety throughout the night from that first drink that's going to give you the biggest decrease in it but then over the night as you keep drinking you're going to need to drink more to relieve it and you'll never get back to that first release that's the same thing with similar effects with alcohol and serotonin so serotonin controls our mood our well-being our self-image and how we see ourselves And when we drink alcohol, it acts as a toxin at the synapses between those serotonergic neurons and other neurons. And so when we drink alcohol and it's first introduced in that place, those synapses get hyperactive. That means they get increased activity. After that, after your first sip, that activity drops. And so that shows why your mood increases when you first take a sip and then decreases after that sip wears off in your system. 
once that sip wears off and you lose that mood boost, you lose that good vibe with yourself, then you want to get another drink to re-up. Then you continuously re-up on that high. So not only are you trying to reduce your stress and anxiety, but you're also trying to increase your mood and you're perpetually getting more drinks to sustain that. I think it's interesting because people think that the drinking only affects them while they're doing it and after. And then once the hangover wears off, then it's erased. But what you're talking to about how it affects your stress hormones after, even when you're not drinking, and also how it affects your neocortex and degenerates your brain cells. Yeah. After you drink, it's not just a race. I think people just think, oh, I go out, I'm hungover the next day, I go to the gym, I, you know, sweat, whatever. It's done and I'm reset, I'm reborn and no long-term effects. But there are long-term effects. Yeah. Even just from drinking one to two drinks per night, there was studies that showed thinning of your neocortex. Mm-hmm. But he did say these long-term changes in these circuits that control this part of your brain do start to regenerate and go back to normal after two to six months of not drinking, which is good. You're not screwed if you have been a binge drinker. Like it will take longer the more chronic your relationship with alcohol is, but it's not irreversible. So if you're interested in sober curiosity, but you've been drinking for a long time and you're worried, this isn't to scare you. It's kind of just to educate you what actually happens in your brain when you drink. Yeah, absolutely. Another thing that was really interesting for me to learn is that people who are chronic drinkers, so one to two drinks per night or even every other night or Thursday through Sunday drinkers, will usually experience an increase in alertness and mood when they drink. People who drink infrequently or occasionally will experience a briefer period of feeling good when they drink. And they will more quickly transition to feeling tired. And I know you and I were talking about this. We're like, wow, I so agree with that. Because now when I drink, I get so tired so fast. I get a little boost, but then I crash way faster than I did when I was drinking habitually. That actually makes me less likely to want to drink moving forward. Because I'm like, why? The crash is so crazy. So as you drink more, drinking begets drinking. You keep drinking more and more but if you're used to drinking less it just doesn't have that same mood boosting effects maybe because you know you're resourced enough to build that serotonin and lower your stress yourself i know when i saw that i was like damn i resonate with that so much because now i don't really drink and when i do you know have a drink or go somewhere and whatever like you said i feel a little bit of it and it's like fun and then i feel not good and i'm exhausted and i want to go home it's just so interesting how that starts to change as well Yeah. And the reason alcohol is so damaging is because it's water and fat soluble. It can pass into cells and organs instead of attaching to them like other drugs do. So it literally passes that barrier into your cells, into your organs, your liver. And that's the primary reason for its damaging effects. It enters the bloodstream even faster if you're like on an empty stomach or a smaller body weight. And I know you spoke to the neocortex earlier. So the prefrontal cortex and top-down decision-making both diminish when you drink. The should I say this filter essentially turns off. Your impulsivity increases and that's true in both the short term after one to two drinks and long-term changes in your non-drinking life. You'll become more impulsive. You will have less not necessarily strategic but your top-down decision-making will decline in performance because you are damaging the circuits that control habitual decision-making and impulsive behavior. 
again, speaking to this impact that it's not only things that are happening while you drink, it's things that are happening outside of you drinking. And as JC said, it's reversible. You're not fucked. If you take a break from drinking, usually two to six months does the trick, unless you've been drinking really large volumes of alcohol over the years, your circuits can be remodified back to their original state. And by then, who knows how you'll be feeling? Do you think that alcohol has as big of a place in your life? Does it not? It's bringing awareness to the patterns that I want to call out to, not necessarily demonizing alcohol but just recognizing where you as a human are unconsciously making choices that might not be most supportive to your mental well-being or your health. And just taking a look of why am I choosing this? Yeah. And thinking about if alcohol and drinking alcohol has become your personality trait. I think sometimes people are like, what do you do for fun if you don't drink? What do you do? I'm like, what do you mean? Drinking is a beverage that you consume. Like it has nothing to do with my personality. Like, yeah. I'm a whole human being. I have so many interests. I have so many things I like to do. But I think people have an overemphasis on the place that alcohol has in their life mm-hmm. where they're like, if I don't drink, literally, what would I do? Like, how would I fill my time? Who would I spend my time with? What environments would I be in? There's a lot of question marks. Yeah. You can still go to dinners and you can get mocktails. <laughs> you can still go dancing and yeah. you can either get mocktails or have a seltzer. Yeah. And I guarantee you will just have such much more fun time dancing when you actually have your motor skills to be able to twerk like you want to. Or if you don't want to go out, you don't want to do that, then you can wake up early and go on a walk, be in nature, do things on your to-do list that you've been wanting to do. For example, maybe you wanted to collage or maybe you wanted to play a new video game or do a puzzle or read or try meditation. All the habits that you're like, I want to try that and you never have time for because of your busy work schedule. Well, why don't you try those on? (laughs) Yeah. There's literally endless possibilities. Like even just sitting down and being like, hmm, what sounds fun to me? And if you don't know, just starting to try different things, making time. And alcohol is an expensive habit. And I think people are like, oh, I can't go to that new class because it's expensive. I can't go to this restaurant because it's expensive. I can't try out this new hobby because it costs money. But then they're dropping like hundreds of dollars on alcohol in a month. $80 at a bar is expensive, especially when that's your first stop of the night. Right. I save so much money Mm -hmm. not going out and not buying all those things. It's really, it's a lifestyle shift. But scope creep is also real. Scope creep. (laughs) We'll spend your money on other things. Yeah, for sure. I have a friend that she still drinks, but sometimes when she feels like she's been drinking a lot out of obligation, she will stop drinking for a month just to be like, let me reframe my why. Let me come back to my why and think, okay, do I actually want to drink tonight? Am I actually enjoying this? Is this a conscious choice or do I feel obligated to? Because I think for me, I got so much anxiety. I was not wanting to go to events because I didn't want to drink. I'd remember a friend's birthday would come up and I would really want to like have a fun Saturday or something. I'm like, oh my God, I don't want to drink tonight. I'm going to feel terrible tomorrow. I would go back and forth and live in the thought. And then I was just like, wait, I just don't have to drink. Yeah, it's a great experimenter too. Yeah. You can try it on. What does it feel like to not drink? You don't have to make a decision of I'm swearing off alcohol. You could just A-B test it. Yeah. You know, what week one, I don't drink. Week two, I don't drink. Week three, I do. Week four, I do. How do I feel? What's the differences in my mood, my anxiety, my quality of sleep, my energy levels? And just give yourself the space to try it on. Yeah. And if you're having resistance to trying it on, start to reflect on why. 
and what you're feeling resistance towards. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes another thing people say is they're not confident to go out without drinking and they feel like how can they still be talking to people and how can they still dance? Like a lot of times alcohol kind of releases that inhibition because of what it does to your neocortex and your prefrontal cortex. It takes away that logic manager piece of don't do this, don't say that. Mm-hmm. So how can you kind of check in with that and see where you can practice being more embodied and being more confident and working on your sense of self-worth in a way that doesn't involve a substance. Yeah. For me, the practice became if I can give myself permission and freedom to be myself in these spaces, who else am I giving permission? Also, when people get drunk, they literally will not remember what you said or what you did. So you can just be yourself because people around you may or may not remember. Yeah. It's really interesting. I feel like I realized so much of the time I just didn't even like the environments. Mm -hmm. I didn't like staying out late. I'm not a night person. I'm a morning person. I love to be outside. I don't like being like in a crowded, closed off bar. And some people thrive in those environments. Some people love the energy, love the music, love the noise. And for me, I just didn't like that. And there's nothing wrong with me because I don't like it. It's just my preference. Once I realized that, I was like, oh, I can just do other things. And I started to make other friends that also liked to do other things. And my life became so much more full. There's still times when I go out for a friend's birthday where I'm having a girl's night or whatever, and they want to go to a bar. And it's fun. I can go out and dance. And it's not this whole big thing. Like, I have freedom of choice like we keep talking about. But also, I know if all of a certain friend group is going out to a bar, I don't have to go. I can text another friend or I can do so many other things. I have so many options to choose from. And just because going to a bar and being in music is not your idea of a fun time doesn't mean it's not somebody else's. But like you can have that same fun time being sober or going to a sober event or a sober bar or going to a different cafe where you get the music and you get the dancing. But does alcohol have to be a part of it for it to be what you love? Maybe you discover that you love other things that are not in that space more. Or maybe you discover that you love that space in a sober way more because you create these genuine connections. And I think tying it all up to conscious and unconscious choices and making sure that you're choosing consciously the way alcohol is showing in your life, why it's showing up in your life is a Carl Jung quote is until you make the unconscious conscious, it will control your life and you will call it fate. Mm. So yes, drinking and the role that it plays in society can be seen as fate. It can be seen as just the inevitable or you can make conscious whatever decisions and belief systems that you have around drinking, its value in your relationships, its value in your life, and just really getting honest with yourself about the role that it's playing and no longer let this substance dictate you. You dictate how you bring it into your life. And that is totally up to your conscious choice. Yeah, I completely agree. I think people feel stuck because they don't open themselves up to possibility to explore, to experiment, to see what else is out there? One of our friends, Elizabeth, started this company last year called Absence of Proof, and she puts on amazing events in the city. And they're all curated events with mocktails around spaces that she wanted that same nightlife environment because she really liked it, but she didn't want to be around alcohol. And now she does that all around the city and it's become a huge thing. So there are options if this is something that you're interested in. And there are people that are doing it, even if the people that you're surrounded by or your friend group is not in the same headspace that you are. Yeah, definitely. And we'll link her company down below. We'll link the Andrew Huber podcast down below. All the deets. Any thoughts that you want to share and close out with? Yeah, I just think to be curious about it. 
I heard this quote that's be like a scientist in your own life and just try to use that curious mentality. Like it doesn't have to come from a place of judgment or restriction or feeling like this is something you should do or feeling fearful about it. You can literally just have the freedom to explore and be curious about what would it be like if I tried this? What would it be like if I explored how this felt for me? And that's really it. Yeah. It doesn't have to be a whole big thing. You don't have to make a whole Instagram post about how you're now sober and unfollow all of your friends. Just it's not that deep. Bring awareness to the space between the stimulus and your either reaction or response, right? Stimulus is alcohol. Are you reacting because that's how you've always treated it? That's how you've always allowed it into your life or not allowed it? Or are you responding from a grounded place of knowing your why? And get curious. What is your why? Yeah. Okay, well, thanks for listening. Like Sasha said, we'll link everything down below. Go do something fun this weekend. <laughs> Whatever that means to you. And we will talk to you again next week. Thank you. Bye. Bye.